G'day community and welcome to another episode of the Mailbag Podcast. My name is Damo and we're here to answer all your questions. Alongside me is Clarky, as usual. How you doing? I have I, I am in the depths of super coach despair. Uh my team did not do so well last week, but um as I've always suggested, you should always do as we suggest and not as I do. Yeah, I don't listen to my own advice and I mean, it doesn't always turn out very well for me, but hey, it's my team I'm ruining, not yours. That's it. We're here to improve your teams and ruin our own lives by making snap decisions. But I always feel like there's a round early in the season where there's a heap of underperformers anyway. It just so happened it was round three this season. I tried to get some data to work out if it's round three most seasons, but I couldn't find anything definitive. But I mean, round three maybe just was that round. I don't think I've ever seen so many tags in one round affect me directly in Supercoach because um, McRae just had a seemed like he just had a quiet one um, with the ninety-two. Petrarca got tagged for most of the game um, by McGrath. Andy Brayshaw had Nelson on him for three quarters or even two and a bit. Uh, Darcy Parish had a quiet one as well. And it just kind of all accumulated into, I have four premium players who didn't score over 100, uh, which upset me. But Jordan Ridley bounced back, so that's a positive. Jordan Ridley's been pretty good since the first week. It was just that first week. He couldn't really gain much data with the way Geelong played against Essendon. So I wasn't too worried about Jordan Ridley. Um, I wasn't really too worried about many of the players that had uh, less than ideal round ones. It was just a matter of, Hold, holding and keeping the faith and most players that have rewarded us. Max Gorn is another one who's done that. Uh, Stephen Canelio, I think, is probably the, the standout of the round, I think, for doing exactly what all of us cashed in him for at his 200k, you know, price with that 150 just chef's kiss. Yeah, and... After round one, we were kind of like, well, we knew he was going to be a good cash cow. We didn't know if he was going to be a keeper. But these last two weeks, people are sort of leaning more towards him being a keeper than being someone that we need to trade out eventually. So that's a positive for most people that own him. In fact, most people do own him because I think he's in 75% of teams. So I don't know what the other 25% are doing, but I think they've missed the boat on him. Well, have we got any questions? <laughs> We've run through the the goods and the bads of our own teams. Um, I, I want to help some other people. I can't help myself. I want to help some other people. All right. The first question comes from Daniel Powell on Twitter. He's asking, is Zach Butter's score something to worry about? I believe he got injured, which is what contributed that score the 58. He's already been named for, um, not to date this podcast, but we're recording on the Wednesday and Melbourne and Port are playing on the Thursday. So teams, I believe, have just been announced. So he's set to play this week. I wouldn't expect 58s from him every week. He does seem a little bit injury prone, which is more concerning than the 58 for me. Um, if he can get some consistency and just manage to sort of look after himself, I think, then... He's not a concern as yet. 158 on an injury game is expected. Yeah, he went off injured and then came back on and struggled to get going again until the second half. Uh, basically scored his entire score after half time. So I'm not worried about him at the moment. 
Um, Sam Pell Pepper is the one I'm more worried about. He's playing some pretty reckless footy and he's going to injure someone badly if he keeps going kamikaze on the football field. Uh, Zach Butters was in the middle of a tackle when Pal Pepper came along and bumped Butters out of the way to finish it. He could have broken his ribs. Yeah, it's um, we don't like reckless football. Uh, all for tackling and the the physicality of the game, but man, I think if there's anything that any like you know any of us football supporters have kind of been learning really well over the last couple of years, it's that there is a duty of care that you have to another person, even in the middle of a any kind of sport or physical activity. I don't think there's much more to say there, so we'll move on to the next question. Nathan Elder has asked, if someone started Oscar McInerney, is now the time to rage trade? Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, the fact that you didn't um, do it before now is just a, is really some of the self-control I wish I had. Well, I mean, he did score 122 in round one, so I can see why he was held after one poor score in round two, but uh, you're only about 40k away from Tim Eng- from Tim English, and he's probably the perfect replacement. I think Big O is suspended this week as well, so you'd only be holding a zero, which isn't ideal. Uh, the Darcy Fort recruitment has really disrupted Oscar McInerney's scoring trajectory over the last f- few years. He was on track to be an absolute ruck beast. Yeah, um, you want to bring in English, that's... I would probably say not even a rage trade. I think that's just a more economical position to be in, even if you have to spend a little bit of money to get there early. You'd rather have Tim English now before Tim English is at this rate. He's going to be 650K in another three weeks, you know? One trade that people will be looking to do is bringing in Nick Martin. Matt has asked, so Matt O'Brien on Twitter has asked, uh, Nick Martin is definitely coming in, but should I train Ward instead of McGuinness? So I keep a forward mid swing. Yeah, I can see the argument for keeping one and trading the other either way, but I feel that McGuinness is probably the one with the lower job security, maybe. Um, So he's the one I would trade if I was in the position. I wouldn't worry about the forward mid swing at the moment. Um, Josh Ward, however, does only have about three weeks of good price rises in him if his scoring remains the way it is. So it depends on what you want to do there. Like, I'm just thinking, I can see the argument both ways. I think you probably make a little bit you make a little bit more money with Ward, so I can see that. Uh McGuinness, we at least Ward's gonna play uh pretty consistently over the foreseeable future. So weigh up your options as far as that one. If you need the player uh more than you need the cash, then keep Ward and move on McGuinness. John DJ59 always gets involved and he's asked oh, another question this week. Is English or Heaney the better trade-in or is it better to hold fire and keep our rookies for now? Depends on what rookies you have, but I think it's easy. And and we've, we've talked about this probably a couple weeks in a row now. What's the difference between a tactical trade and a point-chasing trade? Um, English is only going to get more expensive. And as I was saying before, if he continues to score 150s, you know, 120s and that level, he's going to be really expensive by the time we go to upgrade him. But at the same time, you know, trading someone out early, like, you know, cashing in on a, a Sherry or a Brody when they've only really just sort of started making that money, you know, just as an example, you probably wouldn't trade those two, but, you know, you miss out on a lot of that, value and economical value that your team sort of has i think it kind of if you've got the good rookies then 
it's not going to matter when you go to do it because you're still going to have to make the same distance of a leap if that makes if that makes sense of where i'm going with that yeah i'm i'm in the camp of you hold fire uh english is very tempting though but round four to five is usually a watch and wait period for super coach we we all tend to get an itchy trigger finger when but we have to watch and wait act accordingly Supercoach is a long game and the results come from good team management. It feels like early this se- early in this season especially everyone is getting a fear of missing out though with a lot of these 50-50 guys paying off like English Hewitt Heaney etc. Uh, you can't have everyone though. Yeah, uh, and I would definitely say that probably out of Heaney and English I would be targeting English first. Um, and and with English uh, we said before we started recording, English has probably gotten lucky, especially last week against Sydney with Tom Hickey going off injured um, late in the game or in the third quarter there. So, uh, so English probably scored more than he probably would have if if Hickey stayed in that Sydney team. Yeah, and there is there is a discussion I think as well where if you're playing for league and playing for overall, and this is something that we touched on early in the year as well um where if you're playing for league you might your tactics might think differently because you sort of want to bring in the points to beat your matchups as they are currently because that's what sets up your season if you end up too far behind later on in the year you might not make ladder position um this is like i i have a family member who plays specifically for league it does not care at all about his overall position um obviously being good at one sort of kind of lends to the other but his strategy and how he's adapted it is always i think unique in how you approach trying to get those league wins because you're thinking more about the long-term ladder implication rather than okay i have to be better than five hundred thousand people um i only have to be better than this one guy this week so i think being aggressive as a league player is not something i would you know as we sort of said, there's sort of arguments either side, but I think, yeah, it's being aggressive as a league player does have its benefits. Yeah. If you're playing for rank, I would hold. If you're playing for league, it comes down to the, how your team looks and how your opposition looks at the same time, I guess. Uh, this question comes from the real Akeem. Uh, what to do with Jack Crisp? And he has even put in a nice little, uh, a nice little, part of the question here that I think I might keep for future mailbags, uh, drop or cop. Ooh, I like that. Um, look, real Akeem, um, you know, sick of that fake Akeem always coming in and questioning on the podcast. Um, but I, but now would... we've got the real Akeem. Yeah. The real Akeem. That's it. Can he please stand up? Uh, that's a very good, not dated reference. Um, Damo and I, uh, we tend to less do less planning and more general discussion, but we did actually talk about Crisp just before jumping on. So I think we both kind of came to a very good conclusion where Taylor Adams is out this week, health and safety protocols. Jordan Dugowie has uh, a ban for that sling tackle. Um, and I think that really puts Crisp in a position to possibly score like a million points. Yeah. I, I, and who are you and who are you moving him to? I mean, you got Jack Sinclair there. Um, Sam Doherty. maybe Sam Doherty, maybe Aaron Hall, but who are you moving him to? He's in thirty six percent of teams, 
So there are probably 36% of coaches frustrated by him. So you're not alone. I would hold him. Adams to go here out this week, as you said. Um, so he has an opportunity against a tired, if not depleted, West Coast midfield. Yeah, playing West Coast as well. You can't like you can't pass up that opportunity. If he's still sort of struggling to find it, you know, as those guys come back, yep, absolutely have a look at it. But I think at the moment it's definitely a cop. You know, eighty five last week. It's not great, but. You know, it's not a fifty. Like it's not, it's not something like that's not astronomically terrible. You know, it's the same like guys like Daniel Rich, who you know we love, scored you know eighty one on the weekend, but he's also capable of going one fifty. It's kind of the the tool that you know the journey that we all take, um, and you kind of got to back him in after a certain point as well. So just back him in a little bit longer, I think. Yeah, hold on to Jack Crisp, see how he goes over the next couple of weeks, and. Hopefully he uh, he does okay. Clarky, let's move on to our tipping. Lock them in live. We have raced through those questions. They were pretty easy ones this week, I suppose, with people holding holding their fire and watching and waiting. Uh, there wasn't a lot of questions to be answered. Some people just needed their thoughts sort of collected, I guess. But just remember, you can always get them in as the round's going on. On If, if you follow us on Twitter, you can at either one of us. Uh, or use the hashtag Jock Mailbag. We have the we have the email open. Put a comment on the website. Put a comment on the Facebook. If you do the Instagram, I think one of one of us runs them. Who forwards us questions on from there? Any way you want to get into contact with us, you get into contact with us. We'll we'll look after you. Clarky said it tomorrow night, Thursday night, Port Adelaide and Melbourne at the Adelaide Oval. I've got a weird feeling about this game, Clarky. I I don't want your weird vibes of it. Jake Lever is back. Jake Lever has come home, Melbourne, by three goals minimum. I'm tipping Port Adelaide. You son of a bitch. I'm tipping Port Adelaide by a couple of goals. No, you just you. How could you do this to me live on air? I mean, I never, I, I never get my Thursday night tip right anyway. So if I tip Port Adelaide, I'm doing you a service here anyway. I'm glad that all of our beloved fans can hear what betrayal sounds like because you're cutting me deep you got me deep and you got max gorn in this game clayton oliver christian petrarca all great options travis Travis spoke yeah all great vice captaincy options if you have them port adelaide don't really tag so you shouldn't have an issue getting a decent score from either of those guys and i think don't think melbourne tags either so travis spoke is not in any danger to score badly as well Nope. I mean, he might score badly just from being bad on the night, but there's no danger of a tag. And we'll see what happens. Porter always a a trouble game for Melbourne, I feel like. Uh, But, you know, it's that it's weird to think that we won a premiership last year. I'm still riding on that high a little bit where I don't believe it. So I still think of Melbourne in 2018, 2019 and further back beyond that, where I'm like, man, North Melbourne really scare me. I've got some PTSD. I remember watching a Port Adelaide game at home and just like in the dark watching it on my phone and just they absolutely kicked us in the nuts in the last quarter and oh it's there's a lot of, there's a lot of trauma on Friday night Geelong face Brisbane uh Geelong have stated that Joel Selwood will be rested and Mark O'Connor will come back Mark O'Connor did do some tagging but he kind of went away from that late in the year last year I don't know if he's coming to tag Lockie Neal or not, but there is that chance. There's always a chance. Um, 
I think keep it in consideration, Lockie Neal. I think it's good that it's early on because it means it's a vice captain option. Patrick Dangerfield as well has had a just a quietly plotting along good year so far as well, super coach wise. Uh, I still think Brisbane win it, um, but it is at GMHBA, and for some reason, Geelong seem to just play better there. Uh, but you know, Brisbane, I think are going to be running the high of that hundred point win last week. I would love Brisbane to win, but I am tipping Geelong at home. I think being at GMHBA just gives Geelong that extra leg to get it done. And um, But I expect it to be a very good game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, so I, I, want, I want Brisbane to win. I'm tipping the away team so far. So like we said, Lucky Neal poses as a vice captaincy option also patrick dangerfield as well i think those um, are pretty much the big two tom stewart as a vice captaincy option might be okay as well might be good as a backup i think if you don't have faith in your captain options this week probably he's gonna score like one he's gonna score like 114 and you you gotta be happy with that you gotta be happy with that that's good move to saturday sydney take on north melbourne at the sydney cricket ground uh sydney should take care of North Melbourne quite easily here. I, th- I think they're just going to murder them. We're just going to see a crime on TV, much like we saw last week. That's multiple weeks, multiple crimes. Um, Buddy could kick another thousand goals. <laughs> they said he was going to be the last, but he still can be the first to kick 2,000. Um, not a lot of captains see relevancy, I would probably say. Maybe Heaney, if you've got him, Always has potential, but I think there's probably better VC options prior to this game. This is a game where I'm actually wondering if if you bench Paddy McCartan. Go on. Because North Melbourne aren't going to see a lot of the ball in their forward line, so vice versa Sydney and their yeah, defense. Yeah, but that's because he's going to be picking them off. Okay. Maybe maybe he sees a lot of the ball because it's trying to go forward, but he's he's standing there wagging I his mean, finger. I mean, I don't know who I'd put on field. I don't think I'd put Sam DeConning on field, so it would be down to Josh Gibkiss or Paddy McCartan. I just feel like Josh Gibkiss probably sees more of the ball against the Western Bulldogs than Paddy McCartan does against North Melbourne. It's definitely worth a consideration. It's de- it's definitely worth a consideration. We'll come back to the Richmond Western Bulldogs game in just a second because we're going to tip Collingwood West Coast first. Uh, Collingwood should win this game. I I feel bad for West Coast at this point. If there's one thing I will say about West Coast is, despite being depleted, they have put up some pretty defiant performances against North Melbourne. They, I mean, was that an indication of how well the West Coast Eagles are run or how badly North Melbourne are? I don't know. I choose to think the former rather than the latter. But I mean, West Coast should get a large number of their players back this week from health and safety protocols. So hopefully that whole COVID business at West Coast is finished for now. How tired these players are after their uh, week off or or two weeks off is another thing. Like I said, it's going to be interesting to see how they manage. I think we're another week or two away still from seeing West Coast season actually start. That's kind of what it feels like. I feel like West Coast season hasn't really started, but we're kind of just counting. All these games do still count. So that's what makes me feel bad. Brody Grundy is a vice-captaincy option. Maybe he's even a captaincy option. I don't know. I mean, but Brody Grundy, as always, is a good captaincy option. Shannon Hearn has started the year really, really well. He could be a smoky vice-captaincy option. Um, If you've got him, get your value before he gets injured. 
because he's an old man. Is Nick Dacos a vice captaincy option? Absolutely okay. not. I just want to. I mean, I, I, I look. Mean, I love the. I, I love the I, ego. I, I had just a weird brainwave. Like you probably <laughs> like. We can see each other on I camera, and he, and he probably saw the thought come into my head and then come out of my mouth. So, I just had to. I, ju- I just had to. I, I just had to think about it and say it out loud and just get slapped in the face. Look, no, no, no. You and and the listeners will know me as well. I am always a firm believer of back your gut in and just roll the dice sometimes because you only need it to pay off once, and then you can say that it paid off. That's that's it. That's and the glory. Le- Everything else. And is as just- Lex Dog says, you got to yo before you low absolutely that's it it's um jack crisp uh as we were talking about before i think another potential good potential for a 120 plus score which you wouldn't be disappointed how much of a turnaround would that be someone goes from almost trading him out to putting the vice captaincy on him he scores like a 140 and then he saves your week because he's actually scored 280 because you've activated it i think that's um that's the exact definition of what manifesting it is and that's you know maybe that's what we got to do next game richmond western bulldogs we touched it a little bit uh like i said josh gibkiss might be better on field than paddy mccartan because he might see more of the ball than paddy mccartan does but i'm tipping western bulldogs to take richmond here it is at the g um that doesn't bother me which richmond i don't i don't know what's going on with richmond and that makes me concerned because I don't know what's happening there, but Western Bulldogs should win this. Captaincy options out of this: McRae, Bontempelli, Dunkley, Dunkley. Uh, on the Richmond English. side. No one really uh, on Richmond side. They've, they've got um, Jaden Short is probably the one. Yeah, there you go. There's one. I knew there was one. Everybody's got one. But he's probably more a vice captaincy than a captaincy. Yeah, and if you're putting your VC on Saturday night, you've got some other concerns. I mean, I'm always putting I'm putting my VC on Saturday night. What are you talking about? Nah, I always but I always go early. Gives me lots of time to prepare, so I don't mess up the loophole. We'll talk about my vice captain next. Fremantle take on the Giants at Optus Stadium. I'm putting my vice captaincy on Andy Brayshaw. I mean, people are going to say, "What about Matt DeBoer? Matt DeBoer played on Andy Brayshaw last season, and he still came away with 132 points. Andy Brayshaw wore Matt DeBoer like a party hat. Are you concerned about this game at all? Do you mean uh, in terms of tipping, in as, terms of the, in terms of winning, losing? In both. Uh, I think GWS are always like, they're always that team that I think is kind of underestimated, but only because people generally don't like them. If that makes that some kind of I'm sense. I'm tipping Fremantle at home. Um, if th- if this was at, at Monica Oval or at Giant Stadium, I would tip the Giants. I f- yeah, fair enough. I, I mean, I've tipped. I feel I've like these them. teams are pretty evenly matched at the moment, and I feel like they're both going through similar ebbs and flows with their playing and game style. So I think it's going to come down to which team can hold it together the longest. Yeah. Uh, well, currently my, my VCC situation is Petrarca into Brayshaw. So Brayshaw is actually my backup solid option because I, I am backing him in for a good performance. I think the four people who have Tom Green, including my brother-in-law, who apparently as a he is a giant supporter and has seen through some kind of mystic portal and just immediately, I think he was the first player locked in his team. So yeah, uh, tipping Fremantle in that game, I think we both are. Uh, we'll move on to Sunday, yep. Essendon versus Adelaide at the Marvel Stadium. Hey, Patch, Essendon's going to get their first win, I think. I hope. 
Tex Walker might be back this week. There's only one Tex I'm going to acknowledge in this game, and that is Tex Wagonine. Okay. Um, I am tipping Essendon not because I believe in them, but because I need Darcy Parrish to do well. Captaincy options in this game, obviously Darcy Parrish. Jordan Ridley, I guess. We were talking, I mean, uh, Sunday is too late to be talking about vice-captaincy options, so maybe there's not anyone in this game really worth pinning your hopes on, but um, there is some around that you could potentially put a Hail Mary on if your vice-captaincy doesn't work out. Um, but no real captaincy options in this game, I wouldn't have thought. Maybe Jordan Dawson. Riley O'Brien? Nah. I know I heard Patch and uh, Leck and yourself talk about Rob on I the I mean, he's surprised pod. us by um, being probably one of the most consistent Ruckman to start the season, but I don't think he's a captaincy option. But I th- I think it's the, for me, it's the, it's the Sam Draper thing. Where as much as I, I, you know, I do recognize Sam Draper, he's done a lot for his position and he's still sort of working his way into it, but I just don't think he puts up that much of a contest. So I think there's a lot of easy points to be had. I mean, that's my wild argument for, um, and I think we kind of saw it with, with Gorn and Jackson against him last week where... Uh, for those that you know did or didn't watch the game, you know you kind of gone kind of definitely had some supremacy, and same with Jackson. Of Andrew Phillips was kind of putting up more of a battle for it than I think Draper overall. I don't think he is a captaincy option though. I I I kind of agree with what you're saying, but I I don't think that Riley O'Brien is a captaincy option um in this game. That's fair enough. Next game is Hawthorne St Kilda at the MCG. I have no clue. I, and I don't think I could care any less. Yeah, it's a bit of a who cares cup. Just, I guess, St. Kilda, but only because I want Max King to kick another four goals. Like, I like I like Max King more than I like all of Hawthorne. I think this game will tell us if, if Hawthorne are the real deal. I think, I think you're thinking of the next game, obviously. <laughs> but, no, it's... I think we'll know, yeah, whether Hawthorne are kind of ready to... I don't think they're going to be... I think they might go into finals, but I don't know if that's... I'm struggling to see it as, like, a consistency in form. Um, St. Kilda, I probably would say, are closest to they've had for, like, a real test before last week as well. Um, Seeing them go up against teams who are on paper better. I'm giving St. Kilda, but I don't really care yeah i mean if you still got jack Steele, consider him that's about it jack Steele is probably the only captaincy option in this game moving on to the last game of the round gold coast host carlton at metricon stadium gold coast will want to respond after last week and carlton will keep their four four and oh four and oh baby will they i have very little doubt that that will be the case. However, they are playing it in Queensland. These are the sorts of games that in years gone by, Carlton would lose even though they should win. Like, they would lose these should-win games. And they've started the year with three games in Melbourne, so they haven't had to go anywhere yet. I've enjoyed watching Carlton this year, and I definitely can see improvement in how they are playing, but this is one of those games that I feel like Carlton could possibly be found out a little bit, and something will bring them to earth eventually that gives them a bit of a reality check. Is this that game? I don't think it is. I'm tipping Carlton. I think they'll win fairly comfortably. They should win fairly comfortably, but these are the sorts of games in the past that Carlton should win, but but lost. Based on what you've just said, I have changed my tip to Gold Coast. Because I, look, here's the thing, and it's kind of what you're saying, where this this is the perfect time 
for Lek Dog's pants and boxes to be pulled down from behind. Just like but <laughs> Lek Dog being the metaphor for the Carlton Football Club that he is. An absolute icon. But it's from what I saw in the, the Melbourne Gold Coast game, right? Melbourne, um, and I have the privilege of saying it this year because we are the reigning premiers, uh, which I will never, ever stop reminding people about until next year. Um, they looked slow. Like the heat and the weather in Queensland, I think does change that game a lot. So I think what based purely on what you were saying before about having three games in Melbourne and Carlton are playing some brilliant, brilliant, brilliant football. I actually love watching Carlton games, which is something that I think a lot of people didn't think that they were going to be saying this year. But I think maybe the heat and the exhaustion of that level of game for four quarters goes against them a little bit. And I think Gold Coast, they've probably got a little, they want to salvage some pride, I think, as well, after last week. I don't think it will be an easy game for Carlton. I think Carlton will get surprised by the way Gold Coast come out at the start of this game. But I'm tipping Carlton, think Carlton will get it done. It's just one of those games that Carlton would lose in years gone by. Has Michael Voss slapped that out of them or is it still there in the back of their heads? I don't know. I think it's also important to note that this is one of the official, officially sanctioned Jock Jock Reynolds internal matches of... Uh, Lek Dog versus his partner Cass, who is a well-known, uh, our, our actually our resident Gold Coast expert. That's going to be some interesting things in the dog household this week. Yeah. Captaincy options: Took Miller, Matt Rowell, Patrick Cripps, uh, George Patrick Hewitt, Cripps, Sam Walsh, George Hewitt. Now go with me, community. I've been saying this all week. George Hewitt, possibly a sneaky C. Might be worth a sneaky C. No comment. Uh, We'll move on. Uh, That is the last game, so we'll actually close this off here. Um, I've done enough talking about pantsing. Lech Dog, I love you. uh, Like Clarky said earlier in the podcast, you can tweet at us. You can comment on our Facebook pages, Instagram pages, or any of the recent posts on our website. Use the hashtag Jock Mailbag. We'll find it. Someone will find it and send it to us. At any at at anyone on the Jock Reynolds crew. Just throw the questions wildly out there. Throw them like a shotgun blast. We love it. We love getting involved with everybody in the community because you guys are great and are what makes this so much fun. And with that, we'll see you next week.